You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Is it true that you had a music contract at seven? Mm-hmm. And Gertrude told him no. She told him no. What? Yeah. You gonna be able to make money as a, as a, as a child? Mm-hmm. And she turned it down? She turned it down. She turned it out. It's probably the best thing for me. I mean, you know, getting getting introduced that young right. and, and not having context and covering. Yeah, it, it, it probably would have been challenging. You think the contract was bad or she just didn't think you was ready for that at that age? That I just wasn't ready for it at that age. Yeah. I don't even think that the contract even got to the deal part. Right. It was just like. No. Yeah. Especially, once again, anything outside of a church mindset. Right. Was considered. Off the table. Worldly. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Have you signed bad contracts? Because as as a seven-year-old, you had someone, a representative, an adult. Now you go into it and you're your own, you're your kind of (laughs) own boss. And how does Kurt like differentiate between a good deal and a bad deal? What has to be it for it to be a good deal? What needs to be? Let me jump in. You didn't even got to finish. My very first recording contract at 23 years old the label I signed with, they took 100% of my publishing. Huh? 100% of my publishing. How you let that happen? Because I didn't really know any better. The people that had represented me didn't know. It was new for everyone. I didn't know what an entertainment attorney was. The attorney that I had was probably like a real estate attorney. Didn't really know who to reach out to. This was 1993. Right. I'm living in Texas. It's not, it's not an entertainment space. Right. I didn't, you know, and then gospel music has never been privy to a lot of agents and attorneys and representatives and managers. That's not the ecosystem that gospel music has always matriculated through. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have a lot of professionals in our space to be able to try to gather information. And and they, they took 100% of my So publishing. you got got? I got got early on, early on. I'm old enough now where a lot of the uh, the the copyright laws 
they now revert back to me. Right. And, and then so, so that, that's a blessing because after 30, 35 years, there's this reversion process. Right. And so, but yeah, but now most of, most of my deals early on were all bad deals. I just wanted to do music. Right. And it, and, and it came back to bite me. Early on, you were signed to Interscope. Interscope, one of this major subsidiaries up underneath it was Death Row. Yeah. It was mainly hip hop. Yeah. 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 I mean. Beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. Beautiful. Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine coming to see me in concert at Six Flags, um, the Magic Mountain out here. Right. Yeah. You know, just beautiful, man, to be around so much talent, to have Jimmy Iovine say, hey, I'm going to send a plane for you to go to um, to Dublin so we can record Bono and, you know, and, and to work with all these different people. It was, it was great. Jimmy Iovine. I owe a lot to him in my career because he's one of the greatest and, and, and he really, really, really took a, a, a liking to what I was doing and really gave me opportunities that couldn't have come with, with that, without my relationship with him. God using my relationship with him. What made you start your own record label? It's because I saw young talent around me. I, 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 I wanted to, to curate uh, younger talent that could continue the message and the conversation. I probably would never do a label again until I probably retire. It's because it's very hard to separate yourself as an artist and as an owner of a label because everyone you sign, understandably, they think that the access you have should be the access that they have. Right. And so it probably won't be until I fully retire that I'll probably do another label again. Wow. How different is the industry in gospel today than it was when you started in the 90s? It's in a rough place. It's in a very rough place because um, art is going to always reflect where life is. I think that the decline of organized religion in, in, in America, um, the, the rise of secularism and the, and, and the deconstruction of conversations of faith and spirituality, uh, have all added to, um, the, the, the decline of people's engagement and people's interest in the music. People don't go to church like they used no. to. People don't. You get online, it. you go online. Yeah. Yeah. And then even then when you go online, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like room noise. Yes. Cause you're doing other things. You're doing other things. You cook it, you're you, cooking, you're cleaning, and you and you church yeah. hopping. You know, yeah. say he ain't saying something you enjoying. You you put another church in, so it's like now it's like a church buffet, right? And so, if people are going to be engaging with God in that in that space, then I could be going listening to the music, right? And then if they do listen to the music, they're gonna to listen to something from way back, songs from back in the '90s or the '80s, yeah. or early 2000s. They're not going to go discover the new artists, and so it's it's something that. Um, is, is a great concern for me. And then also the greatest concern, I'm going to tell you the greatest concern, King. The greatest concern is that you've got a generation of younger gospel artists that saw how the church killed and crucified and judged a lot of the older people or artists that were before them. Mm -hmm. And their mindset is, I'm not going to do gospel music because y'all eat your own. Right. So judgmental, so critical, so mean that why would I give myself to something that's so this that's that's that that's that's so toxic right and so you have a whole nother generation of young christians that are not like i ain't doing that i'm gonna go over here and do this other kind of music and still love god deuces and so we 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 are we we are really trying to rewrite the conversations as best as we can to make right. people feel comfortable that this is a place for broken people and it's not a place for jesus juniors the radio era kind of like what you come in came into 
versus the streaming area yeah. era. Yeah. It's kind of where we're heading. Oh, yeah. If we're not already there. We're there. What's, what's your take on that? We're there. It's, I think that for this genre of music, it can be also very difficult because right. as the audience uh, ages out and the younger audience is not really listening to music about gospel music and about God and faith like they used to, then if the only way that people can get the content is just through streaming, then we're having a harder time getting the conversation about that this is available. That's is because where where is a show? Think about it. Think about it, man. A song as big as Take Me to the King and somebody like you, a black man, a successful black man that was raised in church, you never heard the song. So that means for me, there's so much work to be done because I'm sitting again with an NFL legend who just off the top of his dome is not privy to Fred Hammond music, right. John P. Key music. So those things for me, it's like there's so much work to do, right. but I want to do it. I want to do the work. Right. I'm committed because I, I am the biggest fan of gospel music. Right. How does Kirk Franklin becomes a become a choir director at eleven, making twenty five bucks? Don't make no sense. I shouldn't have been doing it. Don't make no sense. They shouldn't have had me. Who let you lay that choir at eleven? I don't know. And and it was, it was stupid of them to do that. <laughs> stupid of them to do that. And I was eleven years old, but I but but I had twenty five dollars a week, bro. Do you know the lemon heads and Chico sticks? Yeah. That you can get? With twenty with twenty five dollars a week, how receptive were the adults? Because you're a kid. I'm a kid, and you're leading adults. I'm, I'm leading adults, but but one thing. Remember what we talked about as a little boy. I would do anything to be liked. Right. So my personality, whatever charisma you want to call it, whatever my little energy, they just thought I was a cute little thing. And so, and then also whatever I was teaching, it was correct. Right. You know, if I was teaching a soprano part. It was correct. My voice may have been high, right. you know what I'm saying? And you may not have been able to see me, you know what I'm saying? But I'm doing it the right way. Right. And so I got the job. So, and, and I stayed at that church from age 12 to age 17. So are you like a coach or a general manager? Because you, a, a, as a choir director, you got to look, okay, we got to make sure this the, the sopranos mm -hmm. and altos and mm -hmm. the basses and the baritones. Uh -huh. How did, how did, I mean, as a child, how do you like navigate that without stepping, like you a kid, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was, I didn't know. Did they know you know? Did they know that you knew? Because sometimes it's hard receiving information from someone that's younger than you. In that context, they knew that I knew better than them. Okay. And I knew more than they did. Because no one else could come and remove me from that seat and do the job better at that time. So they had to acquiesce to what the little 25-year-old bad Jerry Curl, you know, little boy was teaching him. It's because you can argue that the part was right. So what was the audition process like for the, to become a member of your choir? Oh, my choir? Yeah. You know, I never did auditions for people that sang with me is that it was always just relationships. I, if I, if I met somebody and we connected and it just felt right mm -hmm. and their, their, their voice was warm enough to be able to have the conversation and they felt connected to the music I was doing, I've been blessed to work with some of the greatest singers in the world and was never through auditions. We, it was, it's always been through relationship. Because you are who you are, have you had to deal with any jealousy within your own group? Because you are the face, no matter how great they sing or how great they sound, you're you. 
is I think that I'm always trying to put myself in a position that I want people to feel like that we're in this together. I'm always trying to be intentional just about the village. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm, and, and I'm quite sure that there may have been times that I've also done things that really piss people off around me too. Right. So, you know, it, I have to take responsibilities for times that maybe I did get caught up or that I did start smelling myself. You know, it, I mean, when you're young and getting a lot of attention, you don't always know how to handle it. How that. do you pull back? Because like you said, you did have so much commercial success. You are who you are. Everybody knows you. You're universally regarded as one of the, the greatest gospel singers of your, uh, directors and singers of your era. So how do you pull that back? How do you like? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling myself. Yeah, I, I'm doing too much over here. <laughs> you know, man, it's I really, as imperfect as I am, Shannon, as 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 flawed as I am, Shannon. At the end of the day, my love, my my mad love, and, and maybe it came because I didn't have a daddy, because I didn't have a mama, because I didn't have no family. As a little boy, my relationship with 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 the Lord was a real thing for me as a little boy. Right. I was I was climbing on top of the roof, having conversations with God as a little five, six year old boy. I was writing love songs to him as mm. a five, six year old boy. And so that was really instilled in me early on. So wanting to make him happy, wanting to make him proud of me and, and, and wanted to try my best to live in ways to please him. So when I do smell myself or when I do get a little caught up, I know that that can be disappointing right. in my relationship with me and him. So I'm always wanting to check it. I'm always wanting to acknowledge it is because how he feels about me and how he sees me. It's like everything. To me. Right. Let's talk about where you're from. You're from Fort Worth, Texas, seven, six, one, Zero four. I read an article that says seven six one zero four has the lowest life expectancy of any zip code in Texas. Wow. Wow. So I, I want to know, know that. that. That's why I see I got the cards <laughs> <laughs> and I get to ask a question. But no, but in all honesty, what was it like for you growing up in Fort Worth? You know, um, there was a liquor store around the corner. You know, there there were there were. There were, there, were, there were prostitutes at this pool shack right across the street that we went to go play pool in. You know, uh, we, we, we didn't have a lot of adult supervision in the summertime. So it was a lot of hide and go get it. You know what I'm saying? A yeah. lot of, in, just a lot of inappropriate ways of trying to learn love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Because you didn't get it the right way. Right. So there were a lot of bears. And then there was church. So you got this you got the smorgasbord of experiences that are now clashing. And so uh, it could be very difficult, you know. And then, you know, when you're raised in these marginalized communities, a lot of single home families, the, the mama not happy that she's single and working right. two jobs. So she mad and mean. So, you know, you also raise around a lot of mean and mad parents. Right. You know, the, the adults always seem. Don't you remember that when you were young? Everybody seemed mean and mad. Right. Everybody was mean and mad. So you develop that in that energy. So you never feel like that you're wanted. You always feel like you're in the way. Right. Help me out with this. You were adopted. Was it your biological aunt or was it a family friend that you referred to as your aunt at the age of four? Uh, she was. It, it's I don't believe she was biologically related to me, uh, but 
that's what people, because other people call her Aunt Gertie. Yes. That it just became natural for people to think she was my, my aunt. Right. But she legally, she was a lady. Right. That legally adopted me. She took me in because she knew of my biological mother. Right. Legally changed my name. I was born Kirk Mathis. And she changed my name to Kirk Franklin when I was four. Right. And, 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 and she was a widow. Do you remember this transition in your life? No, it's, I don't. I, there's never a time in my life that I didn't know that I was adopted, that I wasn't adopted. Right. I've always known that I was adopted. Right. So when I came on the planet and never had any level of consciousness, mm -hmm. I knew from that day that I was always adopted. Did you know your biological mom? And that's and 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 I think that's the trauma. The trauma is in most environments when kids are adopted, they're in these systems. Right. So they don't know who their biological right. parents are. They know that they are given away, right. which is already a wound. Right. But then another family takes them right. in. So at least the wound gets a scab. Gets the heal. Yeah. But in these marginalized communities, it ain't nothing for your biological mama or ain't it something to come through, but they've knew bar for right. and everyone, you know, to, to pull up and maybe three or four times a year. Right. So every time they come and leave, it's ripping that off. So you never get a chance to heal. So right. you, you're always living with these open wounds. So you know, you knew who your mom was. Oh God, yes. So when she would come around, was there any kind of interaction with you? Did you like mom, you know, did she take you to the, did you try to get your mom to take you to the store, buy candy, buy cookies, buy pop? Or was there any interaction with her and you? You know, there were moments where maybe, you know, I, she would tell me to go get a hamburger or maybe there were moments, you know, that, 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 that she, she would bring a soda around the house or whatever. But for the most part, she would, she would make, she would make promises and wouldn't keep them. Right. It's, it's because I got a half sister. She had a daughter. And so sometimes she wasn't raised with me, but when she was around me, there were times that we would wait for her to come pick us up and she didn't. Right. She'd make promises, take us to right. the fair, you know, and so. I remember, you know, living with a lot of broken promises. How did, how did, I'm just, help me understand. And maybe you don't even know the answer to this. How did the woman, Aunt Gertie, that ended up adopting you, how did this come to be? Did you, were her and your mom friends or how did that, how did that, how did that happen? Um, my mother was the niece. My mother was the daughter of somebody that she knew. I don't, I don't know if they're related or not, but my, my mother's mother died. And when my mother's mother died, Aunt Gertie kind of played a mm -hmm. bigger role in this, in, uh, in Deborah's life. Deborah's my biological mother. Right. And so when Deborah got pregnant with me, she no longer, she, she didn't want to be a mother. She was 15. Right. Something like that. She didn't want, she didn't want to raise the child. And so she gave, she allowed Gertrude to adopt me. Right. And so that's how they knew each other. They, right. they knew each other through somebody that was related to somebody. Wow. Yeah. And so that's how, that, that's how I got to Aunt Gertie. Have you ever been able to heal? Have you gotten therapy for that trauma, because you know that Aunt Gertie is not your biological mom. Yeah. You see your biological mom from time to time. Yeah. And the connection is not there. Aunt Gertie gave you something your biological mother either yeah. couldn't or wouldn't yeah. give you at the time, which is love. Yeah. Now, yeah. love in our community back then meant something different. It yeah. wasn't hugging and kissing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a roof over your head. You got clothes. You got food. Yeah. That's love. That's love. But she, Aunt Gertie gave you something that your biological mom yeah. either couldn't yeah. or didn't. Yeah. Have you, how had that shaped you into the person, the man that you are today? 
Well, it's, I don't know if you're aware of this recent situation of me finding the same thing about my father this year. I was going to go there. Um, I hadn't talked to my mother in over 23 years before the situation. Your biological mother? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gertrude died 33 years ago. Okay. So Gertrude died when I was 20. Okay. Yeah. I found Gertrude in her bed sleep. Oh. I found Gertrude. Well, the, 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 the fireman mm -hmm. found her in her bed at night sleep and she, 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 she Going transitioned. Yeah, over. yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> Deborah and I had not had a relationship because what started to happen with Deborah and even the man all my life I thought was my father. And because I met him when I was six and then see him again until I was 13 and then see him again until my career took off. Mm -hmm. And then Deborah and Dwight, the man who I thought was my biological father, they started showing up at concerts. Mm. And that pissed me off. Right. It really angered me. And so I You wanted nothing to do with me what I didn't have. Now I have, you want everything to do with Back me. Back then, you didn't want me. You know what I'm saying? Mike, what's, what's it, Mike, Mike Jones? Back, yeah. Mike, who? Back, you didn't know me. Who? <laughs> who? Yeah, so, you know, it 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 was very painful for me. Okay. And so, up 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 until this year, mm -hmm. I hadn't talked to Deborah in over, I hadn't seen talk to Deborah in over 23 years. So, how did the conversation come to be that Dwight wasn't your biological father? At a funeral this year, that was that was had at a church. There's a young lady that sings in my group whose okay. daddy was a pastor at church. Okay. The funeral was for a lady who is my aunt. She's the sister of Deborah. Okay. I didn't go to the funeral because I knew Deborah would be there, so I didn't go. Okay. At the funeral, and I'm telling you everything I was told. At the funeral, there was a guy there who was close friends to the pastor. Mm -hmm. That guy's name is Rick. Rick went to the funeral because the lady that died was a member of that church. Correct. When Deborah, my biological mother, was at the funeral as well, it was said that Rick said to the pastor, oh, I didn't know that Deborah and the young lady that died, that they were sisters. And then he goes on to say, I used to mess around with Deborah when I was a kid. He said that in the church? He said it. Oh, did they talk? Whoa, whoa. You ain't been to black church in a while. Yeah, but they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know me to see share secrets like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need to start coming on back to, to black. No, nah, I better not go back there. They might share some of my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I, ain't I ain't going up in there. <laughs> uh -uh. So, so, yes, he said that at this uh, funeral. And so when he said that, um, do you, do you, do no, you're good, bro. Um, and at that funeral, when he said that, everybody looks at him and says, you know, that's Kirk Franklin's biological mother. And he's like, oh, no. And they're like, do you know Kirk Franklin? He's like, yeah, I've heard the name. I've heard the name. And so now they're looking at him, his height, his ears, his hands. Eat his beard. A little bit more. All right, right there. Uh, yeah. 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 Right here. Yeah. 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 So. And so he now is being observed by everybody. Uh-oh. And so now the rumor mill starts to happen. Mm. And so it gets to Deborah's attention that this church and this community is now talking. Deborah finds my number. I have a Google number. And Deborah finds that Google number from somebody, leaves a message. I hadn't heard a voice in 23 years. Traumatized when I heard a voice. She said, hey, this is Deborah. Uh, I want you to know that I hear about the rumor 
that's being spread around. Rick is not your father. You know who your father was. He died. And and and, I, and I'm not going to let that be a, a lie that they tell you. Mr. Rick, because of the commotion on his own, he gets swabbed and gives the swabs to my friend. The sings with me and say, hey, everybody's running their mouth. I don't know. I do know that I did date her. Uh, I do know y'all are looking at me crazy right now. Here, here, give these to Kirk. If Kirk got any questions, he can go get these tested. Yeah. You know, if he has questions. Well, of course I can sit on that. Yeah, yeah, see, I know, I know you. He knew you. He knew. Because he probably inquisitive himself. Knowing that you going to be inquisitive, you got to do it. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You just got to, don't you? You couldn't. You couldn't sleep at night not knowing. Mm. Yeah. So as I got swabbed. Yeah. And. He's your dad. He's my father. Shook my world. It is. It has shaken my world. Even now, I'm. 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 I'm still shooketh. I'm still in the middle of the uh, the 
the the impact of that car wreck. But and Deborah still denies it. And we took another DNA test for her, and she still denies it to this very day. I have not talked to her since. It's funny though. To this day, you still refer to her as Deborah, not Mom. You refer to Rick as Rick. Mr. Rick. I call him Mr. Rick. It's because he's a good guy. Right. He didn't know. Right. So it's not on him. Right. But what people need to understand is because, you know, one thing that has been very hard for me, and I'll be honest with you, Mr. Shannon, it is very hard for me when when people come up and go, oh, this is so beautiful. This is a beautiful thing. You are united with your father's beautiful. I need for people to understand. I'm 53 years old. I wasn't looking for a daddy. Right. He wasn't looking for a son. Right. Do you know how much deconstructing it takes to live your whole life knowing who you believe your daddy to be and you hated him? And so now that you get this information, you just don't go, oh, well, let me turn that off. Right. Hi, dad. Right. It's like just because you're introduced to love doesn't mean that you know how to receive it. Right. Especially when you have lived a lie and people don't even understand also the power a mother has over a child. The fact that my mama ain't been in my life, but still denying me that truth, that impacts the way that I can embrace and still even move through this process. Do you think she knew that Mr. Rick was your father instead of Dwight? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to keep it a buck with you, King. You know, if 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 we're not going to even start the cap. I was looking at everybody crazy because it's a small community. Ain't nobody know. Ain't nobody know. And and the man that I thought was my father, his family, no Mr. Rick. But just because they know of Kirk, that don't mean that they knew that Mr. That, Rick had that, some type of relationship. That exactly with- is true. That exactly is true. I'm saying, though, when you grow up in these spaces of not knowing right. what's what, you start to look at everybody like crazy because the bottom line is the baby got dropped. Yeah. The baby got dropped. So in other words, you're like, I'm 53 years of age. I wasn't looking for a father. He wasn't looking for a son. Because when I was looking for a father, he wasn't looking for a son. Yes. And so now it is too. It's It's not that it's too late. I am just having to deconstruct everything. And how do you undo 50 plus years, though, Kurt? Say what? How do you undo 53 plus years? It's hell. It's hell. It's hell. My my therapist bill is out the wall. Yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I could probably buy a whole a whole new children's wardrobe for 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 what's happening with my therapy bill. But 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 I do want to say though, Mr. Rick is a good guy. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. And 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 what I love the most about him, he keeps saying, "Go at your pace." He said, "It's all about you." And I'm in therapy and I'm I'm walking it out and I'm I'm trying to process it. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. It breaks my heart that my mama still ain't called me through this. It breaks my heart, bro. Documentaries come out. I ain't, I ain't even heard from my mama. You know, and it's it's amazing the impact mamas have on That's the, the heal. That's the wound that has to heal. Yeah. Not Mr. Rick. Yeah. Not Mr. Dwight that's passed. Yeah. Yeah. That's the wound. Yeah. That the yeah. salve needs to be spread on. Yeah. So it can heal. Yeah. Have you thought about having a conversation? Have you thought about having therapy with your mom? Because I think you guys, there, there's some things that you need to hear from her. There are some things she needs to hear from you, but it needs to be in a controlled setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
maybe someday I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And I'm okay to say I don't know. I'm okay to say that I don't have the answers. I don't know. Have you thought about opening the door first? Because I think deep down, Kurt, I think you're asking, you're wanting her to take that step because she was the adult. She did what she did. She gave you away because at a young age, she, you say she was about 15. That's a, that's asking an awful lot for yeah. a 15-year-old to take the responsibility mm -hmm. because a 15-year-old can barely take care of themselves, yeah. let alone another body. Yeah, yeah. I think, Kurt, you would get so much more if you took that first step, if you opened that door. You know, there's, 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 there's a great fear, too of opening up that door because you don't know the unknown, the unknown. We fear and, and we don't know. yeah and 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 the fact that there were two tests that she denies kurt you have to understand when someone has told a lie for so long yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. she told you this lie yeah. for 50 plus years yeah, 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 you think that yeah, after fair <laughs> fair you could fair I mean, people will tell you a lie tomorrow fair. and they just fair. and they'll keep telling that lie because fair. they believe repetition of fair. a lie will make it the truth fair Fair, fair. So fair. when you're, are there at any point when you're alone and you're sitting at home that you're like, you know what? I need to do this. It's because it's not for her. At this point in time, nothing you do is for her, it's for you. Is I think that when I'm alone right now, what I sit with is because the truth is, this happened when I was working on the album. Yes. And then the album came out and then the tour. So I've been blessed to be busy. Right. And so now that the tour just ended last week, I'm having to sit in a little bit more than I've had to. So when I'm sitting now by myself, I think it's also more of, ain't this some, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I can't believe this has really happened. It's, I think the reality of what has happened is hitting me more now. Mm hmm than ever before because I was blessed to stay busy. Because if I wasn't busy, I probably would have lost it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I probably would have lost it. Do you believe that she started to come back around along with the person you believe to be your biological father? They wanted something. They found out what you had become, who you had become. Back years ago? Yes. When Deborah, that that's how it made me feel. It's because she was not in my life. Right. Even and and even when I was homeless, sleeping in my car and and didn't have food as a young 19, 20 year old man, nobody was around. Nobody was looking out for me. Right. Nobody checked on me. And so when did she know where you were at that age? It's Fort Worth, Texas. I'm not hard to find. And I was living in a house that Gertrude died in. OK, so I'm 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 where everybody know I'm at. You know, I'm playing at the same churches, mm -hmm. so I'm not hard to find. But you know what, though? And at the same time, I do want to say this, man. This is not about bashing a black woman. I don't want it to even come across like I'm on your show and there's a vengeance that I have for what my mother did. We don't know what she went through. Right. We don't know the pains of life that she had. We don't even know maybe what all the things she suppressed. I don't know. Right. All I know is that for me in my life, it's been turned upside down. It's been... Like, I'll give you something that I even start to struggle with, too, man. Like, can I keep it up? You keep it above. I've, I've even had my struggles with God. I've had my private struggles with God. Because I, 
I am a Christian that believes in the sovereignty of God, means mm-hmm. that I believe that everything God allows or God creates, that nothing passes to us that doesn't go through God's hands first, that God can either stop things or God allows Love things that. for a greater reason. I humbly believe in that. That's my humble biblical view of the sovereignty of God. So God and his sovereign plan allowed me to be raised without my daddy. And my daddy lived 10 minutes from me the majority of my life. Not having a daddy, we know what the stats say. The mm-hmm. stats will say a young child raised with his father and mother has a better chance of survival. Absolutely. We all know the stats, yes. right? Yes. So not having a child and not having a father, I got into a lot of trouble. Learned a lot of uh, inappropriate ways of survival mm-hmm. with women and sex, sexuality and, and different things and made a lot of mistakes, you know, to develop a lot of bad habits. Now, mind you, Mr. Rick was a kid himself. Right. He was a kid himself, but I didn't have a dad. God and his sovereign plan allowed that to stay away. In that, I developed some bad ways without having a male figure in my life, a mother figure, male figure in my life. And some of those ways, when I became a Christian, now God, now God calls those things sin. Mm-hmm. But in his plan, he kept some things away that could have helped some things not turn oh. into these bad sins right. that I struggle with. Does that make sense? Yes. So... Now, now there are things in me that God don't like, but also the things that he allowed. He helped create. So I've had my own private, and this is the first time I've ever said this, but I've never said this before. And God, me and God have had struggle. And somebody would say, well, you don't know what kind of man Mr. Rick was. You know, he could have been a bad influence. You don't know what kind of man Mr. Rick could have been if he had a response, if he would have had a responsibility of having a son. Because me and you as men know, them kids grow you up. Yeah. And there's certain things that you got to now, yeah. you know, yeah. we don't know. And I'm not saying that I know. I'm just being transparent to say I've privately struggled. I've had my war. Like, I'm quite sure everybody listening to me, if you've never had anything, you are like, God, why you take my mama? God, why you do this? Of course. If you've never had a war with God, you ain't never had no relationship with God. Right. Because if you got a relationship with God, you've had some wars with it. Of course, there have been questions. Yes, sir. Dude, man, that's to know that 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 private struggle. But at the time as you were growing up, you're for this transition. And so now you're 10, now you're 15, you're 20. Did any of that, was that going through your mind at the time that my dad's not here, my mom, whatever reason she was, but I do have Miss Gertrude, our Gertrude, that's doing the best that she can. She was 64 year old. She was a widow. And, and, and by the time I'm 13, she's 73. She is a 73 year old woman by the time I'm 13 years old. With a 13 year old. old. She can't do nothing. She, no. can't, she can't do nothing with me. Right. right. She, she sleep at 630, you out the house. Listen, sleep. <laughs> listen, right after Price is Right. <laughs> you remember Price is Right? I do. Yes, sir. I do. But, so let me ask you this. You are very public man. And even as a public figure myself, I try to live a private life. Mm. And a lot of times, things that we go through via family gets played out in public. We see T.I. and his son have a little situation and seemingly they worked Mm. it out. Uh, I think a couple of years ago you had had an issue with your son. Yes. Does it make you wish sometimes that, damn, man, I wish I was was a private citizen. All day, every day. Oh, every day. It's even changed how I even post on social media. Like I used to post my family a lot, but over the last year or so, I've even kind of struggled with that more. 
you know, and it's been hard because, you know, um, I could see how people would attack my kids, yeah. you know, uh, they would, they would, they would, they would say th cruel things or, or even also living up to the expectation. Like one thing that I started to hate, if I can be, if I give it a buck, is I hate this whole couple goals. When people see you with, with your spouse, whatever, and, and, and they become goals. Right. It's like, I'm not a couple. When everybody's goal should be, well, we should be trying to be like him instead of trying, trying to be like each other because right. we're going to let you right. down. Kirk going to let you down. Right. I'm trying to point you to, and then also, how can I be a couple goal for you when all you are seeing is the post? Right. You're not seeing the life. Right. You judging what you want on the post. People seem to think. Public means perfect. Yes. Yes. And that's what social media has a, has warped a lot of people's yes. mind. Yes. Because they see people getting on a private jet. Even yeah. though they just they might have rented that. They might have rented that just for that shot. Just for that shot. Yeah. Or they rented the cars. Yes. And so now they they associated public with perfect. Yeah. Well, Kurt's married. He you don't know the private you know nothing Kirk nothing. and his wife goes yeah. through yeah. in order to just get yeah. to the next day or, or or even the hell that Kirk takes his wife through correct you know what I'm saying yes. or the hell that Kirk takes his kid through because I'm not gonna sit up here and 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 ever say to anyone that I am this dude that loved Jesus that's got it all together brother I am a patient in the hospital every day Every day I'm in my hospital bed trying to see the doctor. And I think historically Christians have always postured themselves as we've got the answer. Like, like, like we're the doctors, like right. brother Shannon, you need prayer and we're here to help you, brother. Right. Whatever we can do for you. And it's like, first of all, first of all, why we be whispering when we talk to people? Have you, ever, <laughs> you ever notice that? Why Christians whisper? Yeah. So sound, because you don't want nobody else to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's my point, though. That's my point. Bro, you're not no doctor. Right. You in a hospital bed next to me. And and I and I think that that's why so many people have been turned off. So I want people to know, bro, I'm in the bed next to you telling you what the doctor did for me. Right. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Right. As a child, going through what you went through, how did that impact your learning? I had a learning disorder. Is I had ADHD, but in the 80s, you know, you just considered dumb. Yeah. And I had one of my kids, one of my, one of my. Are you bad? They put, they, they, they boy, sit your, you yeah, know what, all down. of that, all of that. And I was all of that until I got to music class, right. until I got to drama class, until I got to band class and I was good. Right. And so it wasn't until one of my kids got diagnosed. Right. And when you go to that press, you're like, that's me. So um, I had a lot of learning disorders, and but but was but, but what's been amazing is is that I've been able to live vicariously uh, through a lot of is I surrounded myself with very strong academically committed people, uh, and 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 their level of scholarship I was able to live vicariously through their hard work, mm -hmm. and so I became a student of everything: religion, politics, science. Uh, um, just like world issues. And so I became very, very intentional about being around people that were much, much, much better than me. Did you have friends in high school? Did you have a lot of friends? I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. I had a lot of girls that I was friends with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was a lot of, you know, I, a lot of girls. But, 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 but again, through therapy, I've learned that was a lot of my mama issues. A lot you, of mama you issues. Want, you wanted comfort. You wanted from a female. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yes. Yes. And the more I, the better. I work, yeah, unfortunately.
Unfortunately, I work better with females. I love to this day, to this day. I love female leadership. I love female leaders. Um, I'm just there's something very comforting about the the ideation, the execution of how women maneuver in business and in spaces is because I think that there's a level of intentionality that they bring to the equation. And, 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 and I just believe them to be more pragmatic. Right. And so I am a fan. I'm such a fan of women and women leadership. High school. What was high school like? Were you a good student? Girls. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if anybody go to school for girls. I mean, they, 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 you did. I'm on, yeah. What were the grades like? My grades were bad, except for music, drama, and band. I failed my freshman year. I failed my freshman year. I went to summer school that summer and found out how many girls were at summer school. Man, there you go, Kurt, man. And I failed summer school. I failed summer school because of girls. I'm how, hold on. You failed your freshman year. And then you, failed summer school because girls. Girls. Oh, I was girl crazy. Girls. Okay, so. And I would fall in love quick. Ooh, I fall in love so quick. So, well, so you call that love a heat? Well, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a blend. <laughs> <laughs> but I was the kind of guy that loved the idea of love. Oh, well, I'm gonna blend some of this, some of this water, <laughs> with some of the cognac. This door you can't. What does that do? What does that do? You the water and the cognac. It opens it up. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. Now, 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 is cognac what you use in hot toddies? Yeah. Okay. As I've had a good, good Gertrude yeah. could make a hot toddy. Yeah, get you right too. Boy, whatever cold, whatever situation mm-hmm. you had, boy, boy, you wake up a new little boy. Would it seem like me? You then more like hot Tanya. That's it. I'm just in the Shout out to Tanya Hall. She was my second grade crush. Tanya Hall was my second grade crush. Shout out to Tanya Hall. Man, um, I'm, you said you had a friend die that kind of changed your life. Shifted the trajectory of my entire life. Is that when you became this version of what we see today? The or version. on the path yes. to becoming what we yes. see Yes, it's because he was the good guy. I was the bad guy. I was the guy smoking, drinking, right. wilding out, having premarital sex. He was the church guy. He, oh. was, he was good. He was uh-huh. a good guy. Could sing, was at church every day. He was dig. He was he was digging in his closet on a Monday morning after a church concert that his church did because he wanted to record the concert on a blank VHS. Right. Digging in the closet, a gun fell out of the top of the closet, fell on the ground, shot and killed him. Wow. Summer of 1985, Eric Pounds changed my life. That summer, I got on my knees and asked Jesus to come into my heart, and I knew something had changed. I'm not perfect, hadn't been perfect, but I knew something in me shifted. Right. Yeah. You were a young father. Mm-hmm. You got a young lady pregnant at the age of 17. Yeah, yeah. How did that change your life? Very embarrassing. I was very, very embarrassing because, again, raised in church. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed for the shame that I brought upon her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shamed because I was always reminded of my wrong mm-hmm. because then, you know, these, 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 these things you cannot. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. 
Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I, because the church was such a, a, a framework of the community. Correct. So whatever happened in the church, everybody, everybody knew. knew. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was, it was very difficult. Um, okay. Gertrude kicked me out. I had to go sleep on some couches because Gertrude's old school. If you're not going to marry that girl, yeah, yeah. you got to get out of here because you're grown and now. And you couldn't shack up. So. And you couldn't shack up. So I was living in my car, sleeping on people's couches, you know, just living everywhere. Right. You know, I had a trash bag full of clothes mm-hmm. that I would keep in the back of the church. So I would go to church on Sunday mornings, wash up in the uh, men's restroom mm-hmm. and put on something from that bag to play because that was my job. I right. played at church and then I put my clothes back in that trash bag. Did your son live with you or did he live with his mom? Uh, he lived with me some. He lived with her. Uh, he lived with his grandparents sometimes because she, she lived with her parents for a minute. But um, there was never a time that I wasn't in his life. I was constantly in his life. I was there. I didn't, I, I didn't have nothing, but I was there. Was it because you wanted to be what you never had in a father? That's it. That is it. That is it, no doubt. And then he was cute. He was just cute as hell. He was a beautiful little baby. And it was funny. And so, you know, I I just never want him to feel what I felt. Never want him to experience right. that. I mean, you're, hey, you are like 34. You got a 17-year-old. Yeah. He's like, 
and people are like, hey, hey, Kurt, that's your little, that's your, that's your brother. They're like, nah, this my son. And and I'm telling you, he was the homie. I'll never forget when my first album came out. I was 25 years old, and I was uh, no, no, no. I, well, I was 23, but around about 25, I was at an event signing autographs. Right. Look down, he's signing girls' autographs. <laughs> that's the homie. That's the homie. And he's so smart, man. Carry on is brilliant. Right. Carry on is brilliant, and I love him. I, I deeply love him. We talked about the social media. How different do you think your life or our lives would be as a whole if there was no social media? It's, I think that it's the dichotomy of social media. It's, it's, I think that it's the yin and the yang because it has done also a lot of good. It has brought a, a high level of connectivity. But at the same time, the, the, the exposure to judging and the opinions that are freely freely given by those that don't have any uh, uh, knowledge at times of 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 the the level of commentary that they try to that they try to commit to or to contribute to uh, has also made it very problematic for individuals. There's a lot of shaming mm-hmm. uh, that that happens on on Social. on different platforms, mm-hmm. and so it's. I think that it's almost it's almost. If I can be honest, I think that. Even the conversation is sometimes a mute conversation because it ain't going nowhere. Right. We just have to try to be intentional about how we monitor our own souls and our own mental health in these spaces because the space is just going to continue to grow and the voices and the opinions of others are just going to continue to grow as well. You know what? I got a couple of questions for you and you right person to ask. What are your thoughts on 50-50 relationships? What, what does that mean? 50-50 relationships? You pay half, I pay half. I'm old school. See, that's me. I'm old school. I'm going to pay for everything. Oh. But, hold on. If you pay for everything, are you expecting old school values in a new school woman? Because that's not how they're wired. But they can be. It's, I think that every woman would, would, would be grateful for a man to step up and take leadership in the right way. The problem is the lack of love, compassion, and the lack of still having a voice in your significant other is some things, the thing that, that we as men fail at. It's because there is this authoritarian mindset that we also have that if I'm contributing and leading everything, that I contribute and lead everything. Right. But there still should be an equal voice and an opinion and view that we must consider, that we must acquiesce to at times because there's a wisdom and a knowledge that a woman brings to the table that we benefit from. And so, but a lot of that is our own insecurities, a lot of the ways that we were raised. What's a good place to take someone on the first date? You know, we there's this thing that's viral moment with the cheesecake factory. I saw it. What's a good what's a good place to go on a first date and how much should one spend? I think the best place to go on a first date is to ask her where she wanna go. Oh no. <laughs> no. Why? Big and big Why? Why? Because she says, I want to go to this five-star restaurant where you already know if you just order the water, it's $50. But what's wrong with her saying that? What's, what, what's, well, what's wrong with me saying no? No. So, first of all, I'm trying to figure out what's the problem with that. Ain't no problem. It ain't no problem with her asking. Ain't no problem with me saying no. So now, what's the next question? Where can we why go? Are you saying, why are you saying no? Because, because here's the thing. Okay, Kurt. give it to me. Why are you saying no? If I start you here, 
Where do I go after here? That ain't necessarily true. It is. Oh, it ain't just man, true. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. Man, Pete, man, I, you know what? I got to give you youngsters game. Y'all ain't got no game. Here it is. You can say there easily. Okay, baby girl, I'm finna take you to this place you want to, but I'm finna let you know. This place is so mad expensive. I'm doing it because I want to impress you to let you know that I got you. Hold on, let me finish. I got you, but I ain't going to be able to do this all the time. And make a joke out of it, make it light, keep it cool, keep it fun. Because see, let me tell you what let me tell you what wins a woman every time. Make it a laugh. Make a joke out of it. Make it, make it light. Man, make, make it laugh. have you ever seen the ugliest dude with the prettiest chick? Yeah. Because yeah. he keep on laughing. You know Women what? love to laugh. I'm using a big I ain't taking you to that place. <laughs> Cause I ain't got the money. <laughs> Girl, we've been going down here this month. Going down here to chill his Applebee's or something. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but but that's the thing, though, Kirk. You know. It's that like, that don't you, mean that. That but, don't mean that she's going to want that every time. That, it, it don't. That, we not wired like that. You know, once you once you get to once you get established at a level. Now, if you'd have got a let's just say for the sake of argument, in 1993, your first car is a Rolls Royce. Uh huh. You're not going back down. You're not lowering that going down from that. You're moving up. But but what I'm saying, first of all, I'm not Stephen A. And so I'm I'm I'm, I'm only going to give you so much. <laughs> I'm saying to you that. <laughs> now, now you I'm need that. Now you on the couch. I'm, I'm saying to you that there is a way for there to be both. Both things can happen at the same time. Okay. That it don't have to be black and white this way, black and white that way. That, And then first of all, let me also say this. Let me also say this. Is I think that if you are taking a girl out and a girl is going out with a guy, that there's not even a relationship to be able to laugh and play with it, even in the process. Y- y'all ain't the ones for each other anyway, because the best relationship that's going to make it yeah. are the ones that are friends. Oh, okay. So what's the first question? So what's the first question I should ask on a date then? Do you want to be the homie? Do you want to have fun? You want somebody that's got your back? Laugh, have a good time? What you want to do? Let's 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 walk in the park and start asking. But the problem is, is men, we're so enamored by the physical nature of a woman <laughs> that we don't even start asking nothing else. We're just looking at the booty. We're looking at the breast. We're looking at her neck. We're looking at her feet. We're looking at her No, I ain't looking at no feet. Man, ain't nobody looking at no feet. You ain't looking at feet? Is I'm looking at feet. I'm looking at feet. So let me ask you a question, because here's the old uh, a question: dating to get married. So do we go? Do you go on a date to get married, or you what? What do you? Because I, I, I yeah, it's, I don't believe in that as much as I know that a lot of Christians push that narrative. It's I don't see see. It's I don't believe that marriage has to be the sum total of a person's existence. I don't believe that. That's the, that seems to be the, the overwhelming yeah. thing now. Though. And I think it's unfortunate. It's because, first of all, by the sheer numbers, there's going to be many, many beautiful women that will never get married just on the sheer numbers. There's more women than men. Right. So if we make humans feel like that, 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 that your sum total of purpose and existence is in the space of a marriage, then we fail all of the beautiful people that, 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 that will be single, that are single, right. that God can't use them, that there's no purpose for their life and that, that there's no plan and that they can't live fulfilled lives. Right. So you can be able to date and still put parameters on if you want to be active or not, how much you want to give of yourself so you can be able to still enjoy beautiful relationships and it doesn't mean that you got to be walking out of your mind marriage 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 right. is because not getting married is not a sin oh okay it ain't a sin right 
And so we got to stop making everything black and white. Marriage is not on the same level as salvation. It ain't. And so you got to be able to have friends with people and you can be able to establish the boundaries of what the friendship needs to look like, how far it needs to go before it crosses over. And and if something beautiful turns out of that, that turns into a marriage, it's a beautiful thing. Marriage can be a beautiful thing, but it's not the sum total of a person's existence. But let me ask you a question. This open marriage, can can a marriage survive with openness? Is I don't know why a person would want to be married. Then just don't be married. Yeah. Just don't be married. Just 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 be just be other. Be something other. And you know, like like I said, I think that the social constructs we form. It's almost like what it's almost like our generation, uh, uh, Shan. If you are a thirty year old woman, even to this now, if 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 you are a thirty year old woman still single, and you go to the family union, all the old ladies are gonna pressure you. Why, why, girl, why you ain't married? Where your man? Where your husband? All of these social constructs that we put the pressure yeah. on people for things that they may not be ready for, right. and that does not make them wrong. Right. That just makes them not you. Right. Steve, I had Steve on the show, and he said, blending families are hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. it might look good on a postcard, mm-hmm. and everybody might paint a rosy picture, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Your situation, I think you have a stepdaughter. No, I don't have a stepdaughter. I have a daughter. You have a daughter? I have a daughter. That's how you, that's, she address you as such, and you... Hell yes, that's my daughter. Wow. And I, and I put hands on anybody to say something. That's my daughter. I fought for her. That's my daughter. She's she legally. No, you literally fought. You went and you like, yeah. hey, bro, no, you no. decided these papers because that's going to be my child. I, that's what I did. That's what I did. I pulled up. I pulled up. 26 years old. I pulled up. That's my baby. That is my baby. That is my little sandy head baby. She 30, she's 34 years old now and still my baby. Still my baby. She has an incredible husband, incredible. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a granddaddy, but that's my baby. I legally changed her name. I adopted her. That, that is my daughter. Ain't there, there's no step. Carry on. Tammy was a mama to carry on. Tammy is a, was an incredible mama to carry on. Oh, man, Tammy, man, Tammy, Tammy, Tammy's an angel of a mama. Girl, let me tell you something. Ain't no better mama on the planet. Tammy Franklin. Ooh. You mentioned that you suffered some addictions from your childhood that mm-hmm. you got love and you mm-hmm. look for things in all the wrong places. Yeah. And yeah. it led you down a path as an adult that you're not proud of. Mm-hmm. You you got therapy for it. How difficult was it for you to come to to share that? Hmm. It wasn't difficult for me to to talk about, you know, being promiscuous or childhood addictions to pornography and, you know, growing up as a young man trying to figure it all out. None of that was hard for me. It's not hard for me. It's not hard for me to talk. It's I heal as I reveal. Okay. So I'm going to tell you my junk is because that's what I think. That's what I think the message of the gospel is, man, is I just don't understand these perfect stained glass window individuals that live thinking like like everybody that God used in the Bible. King David was a polygamist. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we hear about him, you know, sleeping with Bathsheba. But before Bathsheba, David had many wives. Yes. Abraham 
Moses, you, you, you Solomon. Solomon, all of these men that struggle, people that were liars and murderers and killers in the Bible that we now consider heroes. They are our heroes, but right. they were flawed people. You know what? They are heroes because we didn't have to live with them. The people that we live with, we kill. Mm. Wow. The black, with the black church, how does the black church move forward? Because it seems like they wanted to be 50s, 60s, Dr. King, and I don't believe it's going to be that again. Mm, mm. I don't believe it's going to be that mm. again. I, I'm sorry, Kurt. Yeah, it's, I don't know if the black church uh, historically will ever be what the black church was, but I do believe that there's a room and a space for the church. Right. And I believe that the church can still be a beautiful place for healing, for conversations, and for community. Right. And I think that it can be a place to also reaffirm, reaffirm and reinforce truth, loving, compassionate truth about uh, Jesus being the savior of the world. And, 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 I, and I think that more than ever before, the church also needs to also acknowledge the mistakes that it's made from uh, slavery, from, uh, fr from segregation, from Jim Crow, uh, even, even social injustice, uh, from, from misogynistic messages, right. even the lack of compassion that we uh, show people in the LGBTQIA plus community, um, that, 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 that there's room at the cross for everybody. And I'm gonna beat everybody down there because I'm the first one to be in line down there. And that's how I live my life. Ain't nobody going to beat me down to the cross because I'm the first one in need of it. Right. But there's room for everybody down there. Everybody can come down there and get that same love. What are your thoughts on mega churches? Some of them become mega messes, you know, but then for some communities, they become mega miracles. I think that that after uh, COVID, uh, we, uh, of course, have, have seen another paradigm shift is because um, people are not filling up these churches anymore. And I don't know if that's all a bad thing. I think that this is a reset button for uh, our species when it comes to faith and what the conversation of faith looks like moving forward. But I still believe in that unapologetic truth. Right. And I think that people still want it. They, they're tired of the games. They're tired of the gimmicks. They're tired of all the foolery. And I think that we've got to address those things. I do think, man, I do think that to be healthy, you've got to acknowledge what you did wrong. You have a new album out. Father's Day is out now. Debut number one on the Billboard Top Gospel Charts album, making number four, your 14th number one hit. Mm. What's next for Kurt Frank? I have no idea. I have no idea. And I'm cool with that. Like at 55, did you think that you would have had an explosion that you've had over the last five years of your career? No. Like, Shannon, I'm going to keep it a buck with you because I don't know sports. Right. I did not know until people told me because I was telling people what I was doing today. Right. And, you know, and all the homies was going crazy. <laughs> everybody, Mr. Rick, everybody was yeah. like, whoa, you know, because, yeah. you know, you know, you're killing it. And I know Stephen Smith because, you know, he's a, he's a very kind guy. And he's right. been on my podcast and right. we, we see each other, show right. much love. But, you know, I didn't know your career. Right. But over the last couple of years, you all I see now. Right. How has it been for you seeing this? this this resurrection and explosion for you where your career has just changed in ways that you never could have even written in a book. I tell people this, um, even at my highest, at my greatest NFL moment, it's not even a tenth of what it is right now. Wow. It's not even close. It's incomparable. And you couldn't have seen this coming. No. And a lot of people have the same, you know, they ask, they're like, well, how do you know so much about sports? Because I've transitioned very well into this profession, 
people have don't know or have forgotten that I played professional sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and what do you accredit it to? Hard work, because I didn't want people to just think I was a jock talking sports. I wanted people to think that I knew what I was talking about with sports, and they know that I put the time in and mm. the effort and the work. Mm. I, that's the way my grandparents raised me, was mm. to work, no matter what the job or how much they were paying you, because you could do a job for $5, and you say, if you work hard, maybe he have a job for you for $10. Well, what was that one thing that your granddaddy said to you back then, that even now you're successful more than you ever dreamed that you can remember? Never mistake habit for hard work. He said, boy, doing something over and over don't mean you're working hard. Mm. And I never forgot that. And the analogy that I use for people, I say, P, you see people go to the gym every single day and the body never change. Yeah. Because they go into the gym out of habit. They're not working hard. Yeah. And so I never forgot that. And so anything that I approach, I'm all in. Yeah. I don't I don't know how to multitask. Mm. I got a job. That's the most important job. I can't have five jobs. Mm. I need to have one job. That I can kill. That I can, that I can knock it out of the park. Kurt, I'm going to ask you to do something that I've really never asked anybody to do. Um, I want you to close Club Shay Shay out today with a prayer. Wow. I'd be honored. Is there anything specific that you've been seeing in the world or life that you think would be a beautiful thing to just even, to, to even include in the prayer? Uh, like what's been on your heart lately? What's, what's, what's something that you've been burning with something that, you know, you know, that you care about or something going on that, you know, you know, that you think would be a, something beautiful for us to, you know, to, you know, kind of call out. I've just been very appreciative and very thankful, um, for the, the understanding, the vision, the love that I received, um, you know, obviously, you, I, we've all, everybody that's going to watch this has had ups and downs, but I went through some things the last six months and that it like, wow, and you just didn't know. But I always, and my sister is, is, is very religious and she's devout. She says, Shannon, God doesn't close the door when I haven't went open for you. And he, she told me, she said, she sent me this passage. She said, he said, God said that if you, if you stand for me, no one can stand against you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if yeah. I stand for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Let's get it in. Man, Father, thank you so much for being so kind to just two young, just two black men that have come from different places, didn't have much. And we know it's because of your goodness. It ain't because of something so great in us. It's just been because of your love. And we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you that the things that could have killed us, you allowed them to make us stronger. Lord, we don't always understand what you do. We know people that should be sitting here that were smarter than us, more, more, more talented than us. And Lord, we even want to pray for those people, man, for them to not give up on you, for them to believe that there's still a plan for their lives, too. If anybody listening who may feel that you've forgotten them, we know how that feels. And so, God, I'm asking you that every son and daughter that's watching this right now, listening to this right now, that's going through something painful and hurtful. I pray, Lord, that they will be reminded that whether they go to church or not, whether they believe in you or not, that you don't stop believing in them. 
just because they may not believe in you. I pray that you meet them where they are, that this will be a moment in their bedroom, in their car, in their jail cell, hospital bed, wherever, that they will feel your love and that love will be the door for them to get to know you more. I don't have all the answers and I don't know all that you do, but I've seen you do great things and I believe you will do continue to do great things like forgiving me of my mistakes and giving me a chance after chance, even when I don't deserve it. I keep praying for my brother right now. And I keep praying that you just keep opening up doors. Let him be a billboard. If it had not been for your goodness, he don't know where he'd be. Pray for this country, all the people that are going through, people that are facing hard times. Let us know that joy cometh in the morning. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> he said, if you kneel before me, I'll stand for you. And if I stand for you, no one can stand against you. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 